You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in Central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. I don't want downtown to be a place people traverse. I want it to be a place that at least they feel like there's something worthy to stop. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, when you look back in the 2002 downtown strategic plan that was kicked off, what it said was residents were the tipping point for everything. And I think 20 years later, I still would answer the question. Mm-hmm. Residents are the tipping point for everything. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. Our guest today is Amy Taylor, who's had an eventful couple of years. That's true for most of us, pandemic and all, but Amy's list is likely longer. The Columbus Downtown Development Corps, where she serves as president, embarked on one of its most ambitious projects ever, the $500 million multi-phase redevelopment of the Scioto Peninsula. Then COVID-19 struck, sending workers home and raising questions about the future of the downtown area the organization works to keep vibrant. Amid all that, Amy herself was hit with a cancer diagnosis. During our conversation, Amy talked about how her loaded work schedule served as a respite from the shock to her personal life, as well as what she's most excited about downtown today. Let's start things off with Amy sharing some of the opening plans for the peninsula in a glimpse at phase two. I think one of the, I've always said this, the unique aspects of the peninsula is it bridges two completely separate, disparate places. The central business district with all the skyscrapers and the hub and bub, and then the the emerging arts district in Franklinton. And to have them abut each other would not have, I think, been successful. We've got the river, and then we've got the peninsula. And I think those are perfect gateways to each. Mm -hmm. It can be a little bit of both and neither. Mm -hmm. I love groundbreakings, but I'm a big fan of grand openings. So we have the office building that uh, we're just getting ready to open, and uh, the residential will follow later this year, and the hotel about a year later. So I do like that it's all staying on track. The streets, the garage, all of those things are all happening in a small, quartered space. Rockbridge just announced their... um, their retail and restaurant components, and they're going to have a walk-up window with poutine as the title. So I got to tell you, I'm there. <laughs> I saw that, and I was very curious about why that was what the, the feature that they had to have was. Well, I'm guessing here, but I do think poutine is a perfect late-night window food. Mm-hmm. And it's probably something that we don't have a tremendous amount in the market, so it's not an oversaturated market. Mm-hmm. Rockbridge is also bringing that rooftop bar, which will be great. And the residential will have a rooftop pool. So as we start getting into more summer events and you look next year for Red, White, and Boom, I think the peninsula is going to be the place to view. Yeah, I guess that pool will have a pretty cool skyline (laughs) It will, 11 stories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it will have a great skyline view. 
And then it was a couple months ago now, really, some of the plans for mm-hmm. phase two. When can we expect a groundbreaking on that? Well, the, the plans are still under review because they did look for state uh, transformational mixed-use development mm-hmm. dollars. We're working very closely with uh, our partners at the city because we want to take advantage of this momentum. Mm-hmm. And we understand more so now than we even did when we launched the original peninsula in 2018 how important creating that sense of place is. The reason why people are going to come down, the reason why they'll come back to the office, the reason why they want to live downtown. And I think phase two can start to put some of the pieces in place as we build upon sort of the benefits of phase one. Mm -hmm. The peninsula is the new shiny object for CDDC, but Amy is particularly proud of her role in helping the organization create the Scioto Mile. Still, there's more to be done, she knows. Um, I, I think one of the things, because we did, I, I love the Scioto Mile, I would say it's my first child, put so much of a public and private investment in creating that infrastructure, and people love to run through it. Mm-hmm. My thing has always been, I don't want downtown to be a place people traverse. I want it to be a place that at least they feel like there's something worthy to stop. Mm-hmm. There's a whole riverfront there that we need to do a better job of activating. Just because you create the place doesn't mean the market will always follow We might need to look at incentivizing it. We might need to look at sort of giving that market a push so that we do have food trucks down there. It's not just Milestone. We have a variety of food options. Uh, Maybe even doing some happy hours. Mm -hmm. Look at bringing some watercraft to the river on a more intentional and consistent basis. So I think for me it it was saying that just because we succeeded in the capital part of the project, it doesn't mean we succeeded in the continuing activation and programming part. Mm-hmm. Have a drink, listen to some music, watch some art going on, get in a paddle boat or get in a kayak or canoe. And I think that's where we'll see some growth and activity. Mm-hmm. Affordable housing is an important piece of the puzzle for downtown. A few blocks from the river, CDDC is working on a new project, a topiary park. We launched our first affordable housing project, and that's called Topiary Park Crossing. It's over by what I think is the true gem of downtown, and that's Topiary Park and the surrounding neighborhood. It's one of the largest intact residential neighborhoods downtown. And it's going to be 100 units, uh, and 25% of them will be for people at 60% of the area median income, 25% at 80, and 50% at 100, which is still below market downtown. So basically, if you are a single person making $35,000 a year, you can get a great downtown apartment through Topiary Park Crossing. And um, it's been a really important project for the Downtown Development Corporation to work on. I'm not sure people innately thought that this was a project for us, but the city believed in us, and they really thought that it was important for us to start really looking through the lens of equity. Now, Mm -hmm. what I will say is I think that CDC has been a part of projects that have been important to looking at downtown through an equity lens, and those have been the play components. Um, The Scioto Mile, Columbus Commons, the Scioto Greenways, all of these open spaces create a place for people to come downtown. And out of the 200 events at Columbus Commons, 150 of them are free. All of the events along the Scioto Mile are free. So we've always had that equity lens in that way. But I think if downtown's a three-legged stool of live, work, and play, We've got to work on the other two. And Tilbury Park Crossing is really um, the first step of how we look at affordability and how downtown has a role in affordability for de- for uh, residential. Mm-hmm. And y'all are also working on a new downtown strategic plan, right? Yes. So where do things stand with that? We have our, had our second public meeting. We've received more than 2,000 comments, 
tons of great ideas. Uh, a lot of them right now are fitting into buckets. Like some people say the same thing but use a different lexicon to say it. I know affordability is going to be a key goal. I know first floor activation has been something we've heard about. Uh, looking at how we take a look at some of the office buildings around Capitol Square that might be antiquated or anachronistic and trying to make sure that they have a 2.0 version. And we've done it before in Columbus. We did it with the Lazarus Building. It's a great success story of what you were doesn't always have to be what you are. And I think looking at some of the critical areas around Capitol Square and making sure that those buildings have a next phase, a next life. Jeff Edwards is doing some great work on uh, the former PNC building and showcasing some new techniques to do it. Mm -hmm. But the downtown strategic plan is important because we are hearing and going to intentionally talking with various different groups. So, of course, we're talking to the business community because they're an important component, but we've intentionally talked to the residents Mm -hmm. who have really believed in downtown and been here. Uh, We're talking to folks like the NAACP and Equity Now Coalition to make sure we have that diversity and equitable and inclusion components to the downtown strategic plan. Mm -hmm. We're talking to artists and architects and everybody in between. And I think the, the concepts that are coming out are if the first plan in 2002, it was really about policies, so that's where we got the tax abatement from. The second plan was about places. Let's figure out Columbus Commons. Let's figure out Scioto Mile and the peninsula. I think this plan is going to be all about people. The connections between these great places that we've built and that we have in place. And is, it, is the journey between them beautiful? Is it safe? Is it activated? Mm-hmm. And so looking at some of our first floor experiences and seeing how we can best activate them and what the the techniques that we can open up and be intentional about. Mm -hmm. What do things downtown look like today as we emerge from pandemic conditions? Amy talked about the neighborhood's three prongs, live, work, and play. And I think in 2019, we were on a great precipice, but then 2020 happened and and we all need to probably remind ourselves we're not going to go back to 2019. We need to take some of the lessons we learned and build upon them. I think we all got into habits. I was home for almost a year, and now we've been back five days a week. And I have to say, I know that it's hard to do the downtown development corporation work anywhere but downtown, uh, but I really missed it. I missed my colleagues. I missed the energy. And so I think it's been easy to remain bullish and just look forward to the future. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, when you look back in the 2002 downtown strategic plan that was kicked off, Alex Shoemate was the chair, Mayor Coleman was the chair, and um, what it said was residents were the tipping point for everything. And I think 20 years later, I still would answer the question. Mm-hmm. Residents are the tipping point for everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, retail follows rooftops and all those things. Yes. Back on April 4th, we did uh, an event to sort of welcome everybody back, talk about downtown is back, and back to life, back to work, back to arts. And the, the interesting part is there are some things that people will absolutely accept downtown as being back for. And we've had the crew back here since they opened last January and they've played every game, regardless of the COVID stats. Uh, the, we're so thrilled the Arts Festival is coming uh, back downtown this summer, Jazz and Rib, Red, White and Boom, summer concerts at the Commons. So I think the play aspect people are very uh, comfortable with. I think um, the living has done really well, too. And in fact, downtown has experienced not just 
um, more people living downtown than we have in decades. We're at over 11,000 people. But also the fact that they're engaging with downtown more because they're actually at home more. Mm -hmm. And I think where those parks that we invested to draw the workers and to draw the visitors really served a great need for the people who live downtown. And I think we are seeing progress with the, the work, the workers coming back downtown. I think that all of us need to adjust what progress and success is. And um, I think that what we're seeing is more people are coming back in the industries that it makes a lot of sense for them to be back. I don't know if we're going to have 100,000 people working five days a week downtown Mm -hmm. again. I think what we are going to see is more people coming back because they're going to see the benefit of it for a few days a week. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're actually kicking off a a Lunchbox program to try to remind people of some of the benefits of coming into the office. And so for um, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which we know some people are back but may not be choosing to eat out, we're providing a, a $10 gift card to some downtown restaurants so that they can sort of get back into that habit. We want to get them back into the habit of enjoying some of the benefits of downtown. Mm-hmm. The, the CDC at the Lazarus Building is one of them. Uh, we've got one at Experience Columbus, one at the Columbus Museum of Art, and one at Capitol Crossroads Special Improvement District. Mm-hmm. So each of them will have 50 of those uh, coupons every week, first come, first serve. And we anticipate that we've got about 16 restaurants now, and I think that will grow. Amy admits she's a bit of a workaholic, but she had some personal medical news that would change how she worked throughout the pandemic and her outlook on the importance of human connection with family, but also with her coworkers. The the most exciting thing about my job is that I never know what I'm going to walk into every day. And the peninsula certainly has taken up a lot of time and energy and creativity over the past several years. So in December of 2019, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. Mm-hmm. I went through 16 uh, infusions of chemotherapy wow. and then um, had surgery in June of 2020. And in the midst of all of this, we ended up with COVID, which is an immunocompromised person that hit it even harder. Mm-hmm. So we were under real lockdown. There were no pods we could socialize with. But the interesting part that sort of ties us back to talking about work and talking about downtown is, um, for me, work was a great respite. So they say at the end of your life, you'll never wish you would have worked more. And I believe that. And I have amazing family life and friend life and social life. But I didn't tell a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I was dealing with things with the peninsula and I was dealing with developers and we were talking everything from stormwater to TIF proceeds. And they were complicated and complex problems but they weren't cancer. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I could solve them or at least I could be part of the solution for them. And I felt like, whereas it was part of so much of my thinking and my family's thinking, when I dealt with work, it wasn't. And I could leave it outside that door and I could just focus on the things in front of me. And I think I worked every day. I worked from the chemo bed. They didn't even know where I was. And I was fortunate that I was able to handle the chemotherapy that way. But I also was fortunate that I had a job that I felt valued and I really loved what I was doing because it gave me a whole other way to sort of have that respite. Mm-hmm. So are you in remission now? I, I am. They, they actually, that's not a common term to use. Oh. But in um, 2020 in June, when I had my surgery, they found no more cancer there. 
So I'm coming up on my two years. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, thank That's you. That's great. Yes, and it opened up a whole new group of people mm-hmm. that I now know and have an immediate connection with. Um, and so work was in a really important um, respite. My book club, we met every week uh-huh. during COVID, every Tuesday. We did short stories and uh-huh. flash fiction. Mm-hmm. And so everything we read was that week. And some of it was classics, you know, the yellow wallpaper and, uh, and some Hemingway and Fitzgerald. And some of them were uh, people writing blogs about the pandemic mm. and what they were going through. Always about the book, but tangentially, it was about everything else, mm-hmm. what was going on in our lives. It was a great way for us to all check in on each other because while I was going through something that was easy to define, I think everybody was carrying a bag of rocks during that time. Mm -hmm. And it was a good way to check in with people who really mattered to us and and it not be family or work. It Mm -hmm. was completely different. And it was really important to me to have, again, something else to think about, to focus on, to have that support because it could have been really isolating. And in a lot of ways it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And had a great family support to, to go through it all. And then going back though, that's why I think being in the office has so much value. Is because that, of the connection. And the yep, people. the connection, mm-hmm. the people who are there, who know you, who can make sure you're doing okay on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned sort of the the almost importance that work took on. Yeah. Now, two years later, uh, how has your cancer experience changed your perspective? I think I think I'd be remiss if I said it, if I didn't say that it it made me reprioritize things. So I am a self-described workaholic. I've always been a workaholic. I've loved every job from my first job at Kroger when I was a checkout girl uh, to the one I have now. And some of it is making good choices and choosing jobs that I feel are, are important, uh, that I could um, really make an impact with. Some of it is just luck. I had a great mentors all the way up that helped me get there. And so I think what it helped me do is recommit to the things and the values that I find important. Um, Using my time outside of work to be very intentional and focused on family or some causes that I believe in, which now, of course, has increased. But when I'm at work, I've always been able to be at work. When Mm -hmm. I'm at home, I'm at home. And I was able to reinforce that. And for me, coming back to the office helped me reinforce that. Mm -hmm. When I was at home and I had to be at home a little bit longer... Um, because of my um, uh, immunocompromised situation, uh, it was hard to separate work and home. Mm -hmm. And when I came back to the office, one of the things I said is, yes, when I get in the car to drive, that's part of work. But when I walk through the door of my house, it's part of home. And I really tried to hold that tight. Um, I also think it allowed me to talk to my own, my daughter, who's going to be 14 at the end of this month, about some important things, about choosing the right person to be married to, choosing to have a great relationship with your family, choosing to have good friends, and for me, choosing to have a work that you can feel valued at. And whatever her choices are in the future, I hope she can take some of those ideas with her mm-hmm. and be intentional about well, it. That's great. Uh, well, when you are breaking between work and your personal mm-hmm. time, what are some of your favorite ways to unwind mm-hmm. uh, after a real stressful week? Yes, good question. <laughs> um, I love uh, to walk, to power walk. I, I can run, uh, but I'm not very fast at it. And I found my whole life that power walk, I've walked a marathon, I've walked a lot of half marathons. Oh, wow. And so it allows me to just check out. I like to listen to uh, Audible. And so I think that 
is something that I've done. I sometimes do it with people, but oftentimes it's just myself. How long does it take to walk a marathon? Well, I did it in six hours. Okay, so wow. So it's about a 15-minute mile. Um, I think there's so many challenging parts to what we've learned social media has brought to our world. But the one positive that social media and, and just the internet have brought is that you sometimes can find that you were interested in something really small to you and found other people that were interested in that. Mm-hmm. I love all things of antiquity, Iliad, Odyssey, uh, the, the great works of the, the Greek tragedians. And I could find things, podcasts, where other people were just as excited to, to talk about it or to listen to it. So that's the other thing I do. You mentioned you have a teenage daughter. What advice would you give to a young woman maybe looking to follow in your footsteps? I, I think, I, I know this sounds trite, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with that. I think if you can at least like what you do, if not love what you do, you will be much happier. And I think, like I said, going some of it's mindset. Going back to my day at Kroger, I, that's what I wanted to do. I was a checkout girl, and they wanted to put me in the deli, and I said, no, thank you. But I, I've loved every job, and I think that's part of it, to be passionate about it, to feel like the people that you get to work with value what you bring to the table. I also think it's really important to like the job you're in, not the job that you want in five years. You can you can work towards it, but find something in what you're doing, the value, the piece of the puzzle that you're helping to solve. Being a hard worker is um, is a really important thing. And I, I believe that now. When I go to the park, obviously at Columbus Commons, we've got a lot of people who take pride in the park and work in the park. But if I see trash, that's not their job. That's my job. And I, I really think that's important to see yourself in all aspects of the work. And the reason that I can ask the team to do that is because they know anything I ask them to do, I do myself. Mm -hmm. I think those are important things. Terrific. Well, I think that's great. And I think we covered a lot of ground. So thank you so much, Amy. It was great to catch up. This is wonderful. Thanks for having me. And thanks so much to all of you for joining us as well. If you're not already, follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you'll be notified of each new episode as it's released. And another huge thank you to Amy Taylor for her great work with CDDC and for making the time to sit down with me. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence. See you next time.